0: You're listening to Faith Assembly of God Online, a recording of our weekly service. Thanks for joining with us, a place where hope and reality converge. I saw a glass dish, and inside this glass glass dish were several gummy candies, Okay, delicious gummy candies, you know, the kind that have that little crystallized sugar on the outside. Do you know what I'm talking about? Good stuff. Now, I'm not a candyaholic. In fact, I'm not much of a dessert guy at all. I'd rather get some more chicken wings or some more steak or something like that. that that's my preference. But on this particular occasion, it looked kind of delicious. And I made an assumption that they were all fruit flavored gummies. Fruit flavored gummies are delicious. Purple, mmm, grape. Okay. Yellow, yeah, lemon. Orange is, of course, orange. And, and there was green. And I saw green, and I thought, you know what? Lime's kind of delicious. I think I'll give me a nice little lime gummy. And and when I put it in my mouth and crunched down, instead of having some delicious citrusy lime, it was mint, mint. Now that has nothing to I know ooh someone that that's this reaction you get mint is great isn't it I like brushing my teeth with mint flavored toothpaste I like rinsing with mint flavored mouthwash I like candy canes at christmas time I don't have a problem with mint but when it was exactly the opposite of what I expected ew Am I right Now that has very little to do with eternity or anything of long-lasting significance. But does it at least set the tone of where we're going today? Sometimes we can expect something to turn out a certain way, but in reality, the way that it turns out is completely foreign from that. In fact, it's nowhere near where we thought it was going to be. If we were to look at what disappointment means, disappointment simply means this. It's the feeling of sadness or displeasure. So it is an emotion, as we began to mention a little bit ago, caused by the non-fulfillment or the lack of fulfilling one's hopes or expectations, dreams it can also be brought about by broken promises. And I think if we were to take a written survey and ask the question, have you ever experienced disappointment? We should, if we have honest people, receive a unanimous yes. And it's very possible that some in this room today might say to yourselves or to me, at this present time, you're going through a season that is nothing but disappointment after disappointment after disappointment. Scripturally today, we're going to take a look at a few different passages. In one particular passage, what we're going to do, we're not going to make an entire doctrine based on this. Uh, What we're going to do is make a passing reference at the fact that there was an occasion where someone really could have taken an offense and become extraordinarily disappointed because they didn't get picked. In fact, the way we're going to be, I'll kind of outline where we're going today so that as we progress along, you'll be able to know when I wrap up. And by the way, I, I have a pretty good mom. Like, I have an amazing wife, one of the best moms ever. I, I, love, I love my mom, too. Talk to her often, give her a hug when I see her. She has shingles right now, though, so I'm not going to give her a hug, but we are going to pray for her. She's, yeah, some pain and things like that. But one piece of advice my mom gave me is that when I preach, when I have to fill in to preach, she says this, not too many people will get mad at you if you let them out early. If you let them out late, they're going to remember that. <laughs> Words of wisdom. From my mom. Here's where we're going today. Some biggest causes of disappointment. We're going to categorize them in three different categories if we can, okay? And then then as we progress along, we'll dissect them a little bit and then we will arrive at a conclusion that God is able to help us overcome each and every one of these areas of causes of disappointment, okay? One of the first things is this unmet expectations. We're not gonna park there for long. We're just going to visit it real quickly, Unmet Expectations. Also, Unfulfilled Hopes and Dreams. And finally, Broken Promises. Those are intended to be categories of the most common sources of disappointment, not necessarily all inclusive, because we understand that there are a lot of things that can cause us to feel sadness, sorrow, grief, a feeling of disappointment. Martin Luther King Jr., someone who pretty wise guy, isn't scripture, but he made this statement, and I think it really does give us an understanding of the depth of our disappointments. He said this there can be no deep disappointment where there is not deep love. In other words, it is the, the heart of love and compassion and our emotional attachment to something that can cause us to be disappointed. In other words, if we don't care, if we could care less about an outcome, then our likelihood of being disappointed is going to be drastically decreased. Does that make a sense? If you care, if you could care less about the outcome of a sporting event, then no matter who wins or who loses, you're indifferent. You have no emotional attachment. But if it is the team you've been cheering on your entire life that, that gets a victory, then you're elated. If, it's, if they get a defeat, then usually you're disappointed. You're discouraged. We got we're all on the same page. So as, we, as we go forward, we'll be, we'll be going through this journey together. Disappointment. Acts chapter 1. Toward the end of Acts chapter 1, beginning in about verse 20, we see some realignment happening. This passage of Scripture takes place after Jesus Christ had come to earth, lived a sinless life, died a horrific death on the cross, and raised again to conquer death, hell, and the grave. This takes place right after that. And what was happening is this. The disciples were left, and when Jesus began to go through that event we refer to as the Passion Week so often as he he gave his life, there were... 12 disciples. Okay, 12. My primary role here at the church is ministering to kids, so we'll do some basic math. 12 disciples. Something happened with Judas. He betrayed Jesus. That leaves us with how many? 11. Good job. I knew you'd do it. So there's 11 disciples, 11 apostles gathered together on this occasion, and and, and many more were gathered, and they were praying, seeking out what God would have for them, their future, their direction, And, and for whatever reason, they felt that in order to be a complete grouping, they needed to have Twelve disciples, twelve apostles, still intact. Verse 20, here's what Peter begins to say. He kind of took a leadership role at this point in time. And he said this, It's written in the book of Psalms, may his place be deserted, let there be no one to dwell in it. May another take place, of his place of leadership. Therefore, based on that, uh, it is necessary to choose one of the men who have been with us the whole time the Lord Jesus was living among us beginning from John's baptism to the time when Jesus was taken up from us for one of these must be a witness with us of his resurrection so in their realignment in their in their corporate restructuring i guess you'd say they needed to select someone who was with them the whole time and honestly friends that's a really important notation because this group of men who were gathered were not men who had just heard about what Jesus had done uh, through someone else it wasn't like a friend of a friend told them these miracles took place. It wasn't like they had heard second or third hand the miracles that transpired. These were people who were there and who saw and who were a part of what was taking place the entire ministry life of Jesus. That's important. So we don't want to make light of that. But what we do want to say is this, someone was going to be left out. There were there were two men who were presented, two men whose names were were going to be selected one or the other. They cast lots to determine who would be selected. And somebody got left out. Somebody didn't win. Somebody was likely disappointed. Now, I know it's a stretch. We certainly don't want to form uh, our whole theology on everything based on this. But as we were reading this passage of Scripture, Pastor Jason asked the question, I wonder what it would have felt like to have been that other person whose name could have been written down in history as one of the twelve. Now it was later on, but they could have been one of the twelve. wonder what that would have been like. Now history does account that both of the men who were potential candidates, both uh, Matthias uh, as well as uh, Joseph, uh, who was also known as jo- Justice, they both uh, continued to, to serve the Lord in the capacity of making him known, but only one was given a title as the apostle, as the disciple. By the way, in order to be a leader, you do not necessarily have to have a title attached to your name. We say that sometimes in church governance, where there are different selections for, for different positions of, of pastor or elder or deacon or, 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 or those kind of things. And really what we're saying is, Lord, your will be done. We recognize here are several people who are able to do what you want to be done. Who is it that you want for this time to have that title at this position? Does that make sense? At this point in time in Acts, somebody was left out, and someone was the winner. I don't know about you, but when I played kickball in school, I always felt really good when I was one of the first couple picked. You thought, yeah, they have faith in me. They have confidence in me. They think I can do a good job. If the selection started to continue, then you start to think to yourself, I could do better than them. I could be better than they are. Why did they get chosen before me? When in reality, when we're talking about spiritual things, we're talking about just living life, if if we allow ourselves to understand that God is the one who is doing the selecting ultimately, that he's going to see fit that we will do if we allow ourselves to be guided by him that we will do what he wants us to do with or without a title. You know, it's possible at your occupation, you may have applied for a promotion and been rejected. You may have applied for a job, been one of two or three candidates, and you were this close. You were told how well you interviewed, and you just didn't get the job. There's a possibility that it was better for you in the grand scheme of things, as God sees life as one big picture, to have not gotten that promotion, to have not received the job that you thought you were going to receive. Our expectations sometimes cannot be met, and when that happens, that can lead to great disappointment. Anyone ever been there, done that? Your expectation is such, and it just does not happen. You, you ask questions that you think will lead to the right answers, only to lead down a tif- different trail. You may have entered a relationship with someone, and your expectation is that we started dating we were 15. We're going to get married, and as life goes on, that just doesn't happen. Life's full of disappointments, is it? Isn't it? This is a downer. I understand that. But believe me, where we're going to conclude today, we should be able to leave this place understanding that God is not the God of disappointments. He's the one who can see us through and guide our emotions as our expectations aren't met. The first thing is lack of expectations being met. Unmet expectations. We're told this, when our expectations aren't met, when, when things happen all around us, it seems like they're going to squish us. For 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 8 and 9. Here's what we're told. We're hard-pressed on every side, yet we're not crushed. We're perplexed, but we're not in despair. We're persecuted, but we're not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Different translations say it differently, but here's what it is. You might be going through a difficult time, but you're still going. You might feel as though there's an end, but there is still some time left. There is still time for God to work in every situation that might come your way. He's not finished with you yet. The fact that you're here today says that God is not finished with you yet. Regardless of what expectation has not been met, He's able to see us through every circumstance, every trial, and every tribulation. And do we recognize so far, we've used this term disappointment, that it really is all about emotions, it's about the way that we feel. It's not something that we can see, taste, touch, or smell. Being disappointed isn't something that's tangible, is it? You can't really grab it and put your disappointment in a suitcase and carry it with you. It's something that's internalized. And there's a passage of Scripture in the Old Testament that I think really, really illustrates this idea of our emotions being up and down. We're told that we're fearfully and wonderfully made, and God has created us in a body, mind, and spirit. And a part of that is our emotions, if you want to turn there, you certainly can. We're just going to look at an Old Testament story. It's a very popularized story in Second uh, Kings chapter 18. I'm going to do what I can to summarize 2 Kings chapter 18 because that's not really the bulk of this. Second Kings chapter 19 is where I want us to look at. and This is for the purpose of us understanding that our emotions are fragile. Second Kings chapter 18, what was happening is this. Elijah, one of the, the prophets of God, was, was proclaiming the one true God repent, worship the one true God, and believe. At that time, historically, paganism was running rampant. There were gods of everything gods of fertility, the sun god, the moon god. The belief was that if they offered sacrifices up, then the gods would provide rain. And they believed that literally the rain is what would come down that would cause the, the crops to grow. And so they would, they would offer up sacrifice after sacrifice, human sacrifice at some time, some of these very pagan, horrific religions would do. And one of these uh, horrific religions worshipped a god named Baal. And so they were in a practice of worshiping Baal with the hopes that they would offer up enough sacrifice so that Baal would cause there to be fertile soil, so there would cause there to be plants, so they would cause there to be food. Did we get that? We, that's just the historical context of what was happening. But Elijah was sent by God as a prophet. And Elijah issued a challenge, okay? And this is something that if you've been in a church for any length of time, you may have heard the story. And his challenge was this. He said, okay, we get this idea of animal sacrifice. So let's build an altar and let's see if we can sacrifice or bake or cook, kind of like a big old barbecue, see if we can light this barbecue grill, this huge altar, by calling down fire from the sky. And he said this, and this is, I'm convinced that, that Elijah's expectation was such that God was going to do it. But it's because Elijah just didn't say, Boy, I have a good idea. Let's do this. But I'm convinced that Elijah's expectation was was lifted because his faith was lifted as God asked him to do this. Does that make sense? So sometimes our expectations should be high because we serve a God who is great, who is mighty, who can do more than we could ever think, more than we could ever ask. And Elijah was prompted by God to issue this challenge. He said, let's, let's see who can call down fire from heaven and the God who responds is the real true God. So this false god Baal, the ones that are again, they're offering human sacrifice, cutting themselves, doing all these kind of things. That just I'm saying, and as I say them, it turns my stomach to think about the the pagan rituals that were that were occurring at that time. And, and so the prophets of Baal. About 450 of them, I think we're told, they begin to cut themselves and cry out and say, you know, send down the fire, send down fire, and nothing, nothing happens. So Elijah, whose expectations are such that God's going to meet this, who's going to send down fire, he even gets, honestly, it almost seems a little arrogant. He starts to say things like, oh, is, is Baal busy? Maybe he's not doing, it. maybe he's occupied right now. Maybe he's doing other things. I always tell the kids when we tell them, maybe he's in the bathroom or something. Who knows? And so he really, but but I'm convinced that his expectation was such that God was going to respond because God had asked him to set that expectation so high that when that expectation was met, it would be obvious that it was God and no one else. And, and not only that, but this altar that he had, I mean, if you're going to cheat, you're going to put like lighter fluid and dry wood and those kind of things. But what Elijah was prompted to do was to ask that water be dumped all around the altar. And to make a long story short, because again, we're getting at this next chapter, Elijah called out to God. God responded by fire. We're told not only did it burn up the sacrifice, but it licked up all of the water as well. So Elijah emotionally, we would think, would be flying high. I mean, would you? I know I would. If I had experienced something so amazing, my emotions would be riding hi. God, you're great. God, there's nothing you can't do. And sometimes if we're not careful, friends, we can find ourselves in those circumstances when we have a good relationship with someone, a significant other, when our job is secure, when everything is good, we can find ourselves feeling, hey, I am good. That's okay. But emotionally, we need to to say, God, Help control my emotions. Help not just keep them in check, but help make sure that our emotions are healthy so that as I worship you, it isn't just because of what have you done for me lately. What we see happening is this, shortly after this, in the very next chapter, in verse 3, now there were some who were who were coming after Elijah, and he was afraid for his life. At the conclusion of that, he ordered that a bunch of the prophets be killed And as we see in verse 3 of chapter 19, Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. Hmm. Then he says this. He sat down under under a bush and prayed that he might die. He said this, I had had enough, Lord. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down and fell asleep. This real person who history tells us really lived experienced such an amazing event his expectations were soaring high god didn't let him down because it was an expectation that was set by god god didn't let him down to cause him to be disappointed but when that high didn't exist immediately his emotions came crashing down again and he said just kill me here i don't even need to go on any further our emotions are fragile aren't they I think it's recognizing how fragile our emotions are that cause what we're discussing today not just to be something that's a topical sermon sermon about dealing with disappointment, but it's really about us saying, God, we are a holistic people. That means you create us body, mind, spirit. Emotions are a part of that. And if we want to do all that we can for the furtherance of your kingdom, then we really should be cautious that every part of us is healthy so that we can be more effective for you. Disappointments, unmet expectations, one of the biggest causes. What also can cause it is unfulfilled hopes and unfulfilled dreams. Oftentimes a little girl, from the time she is like three or four years old, loves to try on wedding dresses, loves to dream about their wedding day, loves to think about how their future husband is going to look what kind of car they're going to drive think about that amazing job the future husband's going to have to allow her to to be able to stay home or the career that she's going to have that's going to be so enjoyable so that both of them can have great incomes live happily ever after go to school finish college head of the class uh, make sure that their house is paid for by the time they're 40 you know all those Unrealistic expectations. I think the hopes and the dreams that we have can be good, friends. It's not. It's not bad to dream. It's not bad to have hopes that are set high and set lofty. Those aren't negative things. But when we do so, tying our all of our emotional health into it, that when one thing gets out of whack, we become so distracted and so shaken to a point where we doubt our faith. We doubt God is is a savior. We doubt. The relationship that we have. Our hopes and our dreams are good, but they can also be great sources of disappointment. It's very possible that there are people across this room that would say, I started college with the intents of finishing it. That was my goal, my desire, but life happens. Or I really, really wanted to start a business. I had a great idea, had some connections, but life happens. How often do you hear that phrase, life happens? When really it's our perspective, I think, that is the thing that needs to change. If we understand that every detour, every distraction, now when we're when we're seeking out God's will for our lives wholeheartedly, then every wrong turn or perceived wrong turn can perhaps be a turn that's drawing us closer to God as he is. Drawing us closer to one of the traits of God as our heavenly father. Depression may be something that settles in when we don't look to him. Disappointments everywhere. You may be someone today that says, yeah, I can think back 10 years ago, and I never ever thought I'd be where I am right now. I can think back to two years ago, and I'm not where I wanted to be right now. Whatever the case, God is with us on this journey. That's good news. Do we understand that part of it? It's when our expectations of where our hopes and dreams that, that, I mean, we're the ones that created those. Do we understand that part? We're the ones that said, this is where I think I should be. This is what I think I should be doing. Then in reality, if God has a different plan for us that he wants to line us up with, our prayer shouldn't be, Lord, help me do this. It really should be, God, what do you want me to do? And allow me to find a sense of security in that. Find a sense of fulfillment in that. So that whatever we're doing on a day-to-day basis, we find ourselves being fulfilled and content. Even as the Apostle Paul wrote, so so I can be content in all things. Even the things we didn't think that we would like. Yeah, disappointment comes from everywhere, doesn't it? If it doesn't apply to you, then, then be grateful that God has led your life in such a way that... that you are able to say, Lord, you've been with me every, every facet, and I give you much gratitude. One of the final things we're going to begin to look at is this idea of broken promises. Broken promises, if you notice by the nature, isn't really required you to do anything. It's possible that you could have entered into a covenant relationship with someone in the form of marriage. And that person tells you, till death do us part. But what happened was anything but. Just a few years ago, I stopped by a business where I knew a friend of mine worked. I hadn't seen him in several years. Good man. He served on a, a church board and helped lead a church in, the, in Westmoreland County there. Stopped by just to, just to talk with him. He sold cars. And I thought, I'll see if he's working today. And we sat down. I said, so, hey, it's been a few years since we've talked. How is everything? And the story they began to articulate to me, and this isn't anything I'm fabricating, I didn't think anything I'm saying just for the sake of a sermon illustration. This is real life stuff. And he began to say, I'm doing okay. God's seeing me through. But just a few months ago, I came home from work and I had a note from my wife. He said her name, and he said it said that she was leaving, she was moving to another state, moving to Maryland. Um, with another guy that she had met online. And she called the kids, told them, asked them to help her pack up her car with all her stuff, and I don't know if I'm going to see her again. Talk about disappointment. Talk about a broken promise. Someone not keeping their word when they say, till death do us part. I vow, I covenant between God and you. Disappointment's everywhere, isn't it? A broken promise isn't something that you would even have to affect. Sure, it's possible that we can cause something to take place, but we're all flawed humans. And you know what really kind of even, I don't want to say scares me, I don't live in fear of this, but I understand and I recognize that I'm a flawed human being and I have that same capacity to fail. I have that same capacity to break promises. Not that it's in my heart's desire, not that I hope it ever happens, but each and every one of us have that capacity, the ability to fail miserably. And it shouldn't cause us to walk around in a state of depression or disappointment or discouragement, but it should cause us to rely more on God, the power of his strength, the power of his Holy Spirit, so that we don't succumb to those kind of things. Disappointment unmet expectations, broken hopes and dreams. There's a story of a couple in Kentucky, a true story. I don't know them personally, but I've heard of their story. It was even such that they, um, they honored one of the, the members of the family in uh, Kentucky's state uh, House of Representatives and made a little declaration honoring them, so it is a, it's a valid story. It was a couple that had been anticipating the birth of a child for nine months, They were looking forward so much to being parents. That was all they were wrapped up in. For nine whole months, the wife gave birth, and excitement burst out with both of them. Their families were ecstatic, because that thing that they put their hope in happened. They had a child. They wanted a child for so long. Uh, Little Luke was their son's name. As he arrived at his three-day-old mark, just three days old, just a little guy, the mother became ill. Uh, ill to such a point so abruptly that the husband was sent out of the room and when he came back in ultimately he found out that she had suddenly died as a clot entered between her lung and her heart and gone. He found himself in a situation a circumstance that certainly could have caused great disappointment could have caused great discouragement however I think it speaks well he was a Christian man is a Christian man and when he was interviewed by a local newspaper just to kind of Get their story, you know how it does, we see those different human interest stories locally. What he said wasn't something that was in a state of despair, depression, discouragement. What he did focus on was the gratitude for that new little life. And his prayer was that that little life would be able to understand who Jesus is and have Jesus become real to him, accept him as Savior, so that one day he would be able to see his mommy. That was his prayer. Disappointment. Sure. And When we read a story like that, there are words on a page. I know my my family uh, is affected by a disappointment from decades ago as well. My wife, some of you are aware of. Her name is Joy. She's beautiful. I'm super in love with her. We're having a baby too. How crazy is that? This October, uh, number three, my son is 12. My little girl will be 10 in October. And that's when we'll welcome number three. Little Liam is his name. We're excited about that. We're looking forward to that. But there was a time back in 1988, 89, where my wife was nine years old, and she was the youngest of five. Anytime I talk about her family, I always use the hand. She's the one on the bottom, the youngest of five, natural siblings. Um, And she lost her mother suddenly to cancer. Her mom was only 36 years old. Joy was nine. Her oldest brother was 16. And so her dad was in a situation where he had five. What do you do? That's not something that was chosen. That's not something that any of us choose. Disappointment surrounds us. Do we go into deep despair? Do we say, God, I give up. There's no hope. That's an option. You know, that, that is an option, to be clear in, in full transparency. If that's the way that you want to conduct life, if that's the way that I would want to handle a discouragement or a disappointment, I certainly could do so. But that certainly isn't the God-honoring way. Uh, he, her dad did remarry, and this is where the second hand comes into play. Uh, he remarried to where she's now the, the youngest of ten total siblings, uh, between step-siblings and, and regular. And they have a blended family because of something that was unforeseen, something that was a huge disappointment, to say the least, to say the very least. We're talking about dealing with disappointments. I'd much rather talk about grabbing the wrong colored mint, thinking it's something else, but life isn't that easy, is it? It's not that simplistic. Disappointment surrounds us. I'm convinced that it's to draw us and point us back to God as our heavenly father. Friends, I would like to share a personal story. I know I've said some things about what I know. Um, but my wife and I were affected pretty deeply emotionally. Me even more so, I think. And I would have been 2005. In the springtime, spring-summer of 2005, um, just something that was a disappointment. And I say this, the first service was the first time I openly spoke it in a service time. Never talked to my little girl about it or anything like that. So we're kind of navigating through Do we want to talk to her about this at some point in time? I don't know. And I'm saying this not to elevate our story, but really just because I believe it is a story that can help us understand that God's able to get us through any kind of disappointment any kind of discouragement. I want us to end on a high note, and we're going to, because he is able. That's the good news. The good news is there are problems, or the bad news is there's problems everywhere. The good news is is that he's there to see us through every problem, every circumstance, every situation. Doesn't mean they're going to be eliminated necessarily all the time, but he's going to see us through. Whatever that difficulty is, he will see us through if he doesn't remove it for us. And it's through that where our faith is encouraged, where we're lifted up, and where we're able to then, on the other side of, Whatever that is, say, God saw me through it, or he removed it. And when My wife was pregnant with our little girl, Allie. Some of you have seen the while, she's, she's the one who will be 10 this October. Uh, we were pregnant with twins, and I was so excited. Talk about expectations. I had really never been so excited about anything in my life. I was so I was stoked. I was beyond that. It was like, whoo, we're having twins!" I had always wanted to. I had first cousins who were twins, second cousins who were twins. Joy's brother had twins. We knew it was all over our family on both sides. And so when we found that out, we saw we have a little sonogram picture, two little babies that were healthy, just tiny little things as they were developing. You know, wow, how amazing is this? It seemed like God was preparing my heart for that. I was so excited. In fact, at that time, uh, for just a little extra income, my wife was babysitting a couple kids during the week, and it was a set of twins. How amazing. It was like, Lord, thank you. You're even preparing her. You're preparing me. You're just prepping us for what's to come. Thank you, Lord. So I want you to hear the expectation being set in place, because so much of our disappointment is where our expectation is. And my expectation was, this is going to be so cool. I was a little freaked out because we had a little Ford focus and I didn't think that three car seats would fit in the back seat very well. So practically we were thinking, how do we do this? We had one car seat. We had one stroller. We had one of everything that we could share and use for the next, but not two. And so there was slight, a little bit of panic mode, but lots of excitement. We're starting to think of all the names. What if it's two boys? what are those names going to be? What if it's two girls? What are those names going to be? What if it's a boy and a girl? What are those names going to be? Whatever it is, God, thank you for this. I mean, and that's where our emotions were directed, was full of thanksgiving, full of anticipation, full of excitement and jubilation of what was to come. Then I'll never forget what happened. About two months later, we went for a a 4D sonogram, which I thought was just amazing. It was the it's the kind where you would be, get to see the the flesh on the on the baby. We would get to meet our kids in the womb. So excited! And I, remember I was sitting there, was just grinning ear to ear. I mean, if you could have seen the picture, I don't know if people could have been happier. So full of excitement, anticipation. We'll find out the gender. <gasps> What's it going to be? And I'll never forget when the the technician looked at me, and she was going, we said, oh, what is it, boys, girls, what? And she said this, and it would just, my heart sunk, my throat sunk, everything. She just said, they said you're having twins? And the way that that ended with a question, I knew the implication was there was only one baby. We had no idea to explain what happened. The long story short is that a vanished twin is what had happened. It's happened with several others we've met, but our expectation was so high I was looking forward to something so intensely. And then every hope that I had that was set in that event taking place the way I thought it should came crashing down. I can literally remember pulling off to the side of the road, and this was in Indianapolis, Indiana, right near where we were living at the time, and wept with everything that was within me. One of the most exuberant, in a bad way, Tears wasn't angry at God, wasn't questioning anything like that, but was just so overcome with disappointment that what I had longed for, what I expected, simply did not happen. I was at a really low point emotionally. What I can say is this, is that from that point till now and as life goes on, I've seen that God's able to heal. He's able to bring healing through all of those things through every disappointment that we face, no matter how insignificant it might seem, he is able to see us through. He is more than able to see us through. He's the one that said he'll never leave us nor forsake us. He's the one who we're told his promises are yes and amen. You know what that means? That means so be it, so be it. It's going to happen. He is the one who will come through for us each and every time. I love in the Old Testament, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And just a moment, we're going to close with a, a great hymn that we sung earlier. A great song that we sang earlier. So if the worship team will begin to make their way forward, I would really appreciate that. Thank you so much. But as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, when they were thrown into a fiery furnace, what happened was this. They were told that if they didn't bow and worship a false god, they were going to get tossed into a fiery furnace and burned up. And saying it in words... Do we understand what they were doing? If we take a step back, picture ourselves doing that. It's easy to say the words, fiery furnace. Really, that means they were going to die in all likelihood. They believed that God was going to protect them if they honored him and his word by not bowing to the false God. And they said this declaration. They said, even if our God doesn't save us from that fiery furnace, or in other words, even if we get tossed in and die, we're still not going to do what's asked of us, and bow because to bow to that false God would be to say that that God is true. And we know that's not the case. I think when we put ourselves into God, God's hands, what we're saying to Him is, We believe that you're going to see us through. We believe that whatever this current disappointment is that we're dealing with, this current time of, of discouragement, maybe it's even leading to a form of, of depression, emotional emotional depression, whatever that would be, we say, God, we place ourselves in the center of your, of your hands. Take us, guide us where you want us to be because we believe that you're going to see us through. But even if you don't remove the obstacle, even if you don't remove that thing that caused my disappointment, I'm still going to serve you. I'm still going to press on because I believe that you know better than I do. Would you stand with me, please, as we pray together? And as I pray this morning, it's possible that there are some here today They would say, I really am dealing with a current situation of disappointment. I'm dealing with something right now, and I would love it if if you would pray with me or if someone would pray with me. Please, by all means, we are here. We'll make ourselves available to do that. But as we go from this place today, whatever burden we had in our heart that would cause us to be emotionally messed up, let's give it to him. Let's give it to him. It's possible that there are a a litany of things, whether it be relationally, financially, that have been hidden you right and left. When we give it to him, he either removes it or he sees us through. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are indeed a God who knows what's going on. Our present trials, our present tribulations do not catch you off guard. And Lord, we acknowledge that you are the one who is able to see us through or remove any type of disappointment, discouragement that may come our way. And Lord, it's our prayer that as we leave this place today in just a few moments that the power of your Holy Spirit will go with us. So that, we simply, so that we don't just simply exist and, and survive, Lord, but that we can thrive empowered by you that we're able to take the joy that you've imparted into us and impart that into others by the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, it's our prayer that any type of depression, oppression, uh, anxiety that walked into this room today, Lord, that, they would, that we would not leave with any of that as we give it to you and take what you have for us, which is, which is very light, you tell us. Lord, we love you and thank you. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening. Tune in again next week.